Our first Bible reading comes from the book of Daniel. So it's chapter 7, verses 9 to 14. So it's Daniel chapter 7, verses 9 to 14. As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow. The hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were opened. Then I continued to watch because of the boastful words the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. The other beasts had been stripped of their authority, but were allowed to live for a period of time. In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory and sovereign power. All peoples, nations and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Amen. Our reading from the New Testament this morning comes from from John uh, chapter 18 and I'm reading from verse 28 through to verse 38. So John 18 beginning at verse 28. Let's hear from the word of God. Then the Jews led Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace where the, of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning. And to avoid ceremonial uncleanliness, the Jews did not enter the palace. They wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, the Jews objected. This happened so that the words Jesus had spoken indicating the kind of death he was going to die would be fulfilled. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoning Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea? Jesus asked. Or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied. It was your people and your chief priests who handed you over to me What is it you have done? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born. And for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? Pilate asked. With this he went out again to the Jews and said, I find no basis 
for a charge against him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you now as we prepare to hear and to listen. Lord, I pray that the words that I speak this morning are not just words uttered from my lips. You will speak to each and every one of us your words of eternal life and your eternal truth for us to hear and to understand and to respond to. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning I want to uh, start by reading from a quote from a, a book. And it's interesting to think, of course, of, of Mother's Day, the person who actually wrote this book uh, noted in uh, one point in terms of his own testimony his mother's constant grieving and prayer for him before he became a Christian. Uh, he committed various acts, which he wrote off later that he was not very proud of, but at the time it was because of his sinful nature and yet he noted his, his mother at one point constantly praying that God would change his heart, which he did. Now let me read the quote for you. He writes, Two societies have issued from two kinds of love. Worldly society has flowered from a selfish love, which dared to despise even God, whereas the communion of saints is rooted in a love of God. The city of man seeks the praise of men, whereas the height of glory for the other is to hear God in the witness of conscience. The one lifts its head in its own boasting. The other says to God, Thou art my glory, thou liftest up my head. Quoting from Psalm chapter 3, verse 4. Now those who may not recognise the quote, you would say, well, clearly it's not a modern quote using these thousand lies. In fact, the quote is 1,600 years old. which is an interesting surprise considering that as we look around the world today, it is clear there are two societies, there are two kingdoms. There are two cities, the city of man and the city of God, which is actually the name of the book written by St Augustine of Hippo in 410 BC AD. So while we should not be surprised that even today there is still the clash of two kingdoms. And the Bible has made it very clear throughout history there has ultimately been two kingdoms. There is God's kingdom and there is what we could call the world's kingdom. And today in this passage we see that clash of kingdoms. And this morning as we reflect upon it, we're going to see how one kingdom operates as compared to the other. We're going to see the attitude of one kingdom compared to the other. And as we reflect upon both of these kingdoms, to remind ourselves, 
of which kingdom as God's people we truly need to belong to. And who it is who is actually our king. So if you've got your Bibles opened uh, from where I read from John chapter 18. I'm not necessarily going to start at the very beginning of the conversations. I actually want to come down initially to verse 33. Because in verse 33 we have a certain view of the kingdom. You could say it's Pilate's view of the kingdom. This Roman governor who is much more famous now than what he was in his time, governor of Judah for 11 years, known for his brutality towards Jews and who by all accounts, as we note in Luke chapter 13 verse 1, had killed Jews and Galileans at several times. He was known as a bit of a coward. He was able to hide behind his authority. He played politics well. He believed in his own self-preservation. And the most important thing for him was keeping his job. But as Jesus stands before him, It's clear to Pilate that this man standing before him is not done anything wrong. As we note there from from Pilate's beginning, so Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus out and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord or do others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own people, your own chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? You see, Pilate looks at Jesus, looks at this man standing before him and doesn't see him as a threat to the Roman Empire. He doesn't see this guy standing before him as anyone who could lead some sort of army to be a threat to the authority of the peace of Rome. He may have thought initially that Jesus was slightly mad in claiming comments about his kingdom, which we're going to look at shortly. But in Pilate's mind, Jesus and who he is 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 no threat to, to him, to his comfort, to his own welfare. And as he talks through with Jesus, you find that he is one who realises what Jesus, sorry, that Jesus is standing here as a completely innocent person. But his response to Jesus, his response to Jesus' claims, his response to what Jesus says to him is is a statement which is quite common today. What is truth? He doesn't want to listen to Jesus' claims of truth. He doesn't want to deal with it. He doesn't want to hear with it. He simply walks away and says, well, there's really no basis for any charge against him. You see, as far as 
Pilate's concerned, the truth that he knows, the definitions that he defines, what he declares as far as he's concerned is the truth, and that's it. Can we hear the modern world in that voice? Can we hear and see the modern world around us in that attitude? What I want to define as truth is is all I need. What I want to define my definitions in terms of anything is more important. How I feel, what I want, what makes me comfortable... Is that not the attitude that we hear expressed around us so much today? And sadly, it is a reflection of those who belong to the kingdom of man. First concern is self. We've heard the ads before, the most important person in the world is you. This kingdom also has a trinity. Me, myself and I. This kingdom is all about us and self. And me and getting what I want. It is a reflection of that kingdom and a reflection of the fact that people who will say, I can believe what I want to believe and that's fine. There are many who claim, well, I'm just sitting on the fence. I wonder if you've heard that statement said to you before. Problem is, of course, between the two kingdoms, there's no fence, it's a gaping hole. But that kingdom is not just reflected in terms of the world in general, even some who claim as a religious aspect to their lives, in what their attitude and what they express, still express very much as being part of that kingdom. If we go back to verse 28, and we look at the Jewish leaders, well, what's their truth? What do they believe when it comes to Jesus? What is their attitude in terms of a kingdom? What do we note there? They led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas, the high priest, to the governor's headquarters. It's early in the morning. And we note actually in the passage, what do they say? They don't enter the governor's headquarters. Why? Because it's Rome that's in charge there. That makes it a Gentile area. If we enter there, we can't eat Passover. We'll be defiled. We need to be holy and and righteous so that we can have Passover. And so they refuse to go in. And so Pilate comes out to them and does the obvious thing. What charges are you bringing against him? Well, if he were not a criminal, we wouldn't hand him over to you, would we? There's a few things we actually need to consider at this point. The fact that they conducted a trial at night time and there's a number of other things to try and find a charge against him 
was completely against the Old Testament law. In fact, if you look at it, the whole situation, if you were to go through that whole situation in terms of his trial, there's around about 21 different things that the Jewish leaders did which were actually against what they were supposed to do. But you note the absolute hypocrisy in the situation. Despite all that they've done because they want to get rid of Jesus, no due process, no genuine law, but yet their hypocrisy is seen where they will not be defiled because they wanted to eat Passover. The religious leaders would not excuse themselves as being holy and righteous but happily defied God's law when it suited them. Being seen in public as holy, righteous and good was important. What they did in private, well, that's their own business. In their determination to get rid of Jesus, even their response to Pilate's question, if he weren't a criminal, if we'd found him guilty, we wouldn't be bringing him before you in the first place. But this is meant to be the religious leaders. This is meant to be those who upheld God's law, who declared what God's word said, and yet in their attitude, in the way that they acted, clearly showed they were not part of God's kingdom. The religious look was more important than dealing with Jesus and who he actually was. The threat to their own religious standing that Jesus brought was more important than perhaps repenting and coming to Christ. Their concern for control and power was no different to Pilate. Later on in the passage, if you go on to read further through chapter 19, they even make the claim they have no king but Caesar in Luke 19, verse 15. And yet they had told people in terms of their religious actions that God was their king. And yet when it came to the crunch, they declared we have no king but Caesar. Their willingness to do anything to get rid of Jesus, to remove Jesus out of the picture, to have nothing to do with him. They regarded their religion as more important than Jesus. A religious kingdom of their own making. Paul, when speaking to the Ephesians later on, would refer to these type of people as wolves in sheep's clothing. And there is a warning to us there, isn't it? It's not the outside that's important. The outside should actually reflect what the inside is, where our heart is at, in whom we trust, in whom we believe. (coughs) 
But how is that opposed to the other kingdom? To the kingdom of God? Well, Jesus in many ways expounds his whole kingdom through a couple of verses here. Verse 36. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting. But I have not but I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not of this world. You see, Jesus is clear his ministry is not about an earthly kingdom set by boundaries of countries. Jesus' ruler is not a ruler like kings of his day or those who want to claim authority and power. His kingdom is greater than any earthly empire that has ever existed or ever will exist in this world. Why? Because of who he actually is. Jesus is God the Son. All authority in heaven and on earth are his in the first place. And yet he came as a servant to die to take a punishment that we deserve. He came being the only one fully obedient to God and that through his death he calls his people. You see, God's kingdom is a kingdom of people. We hear through in the New Testament the church called the Bride of Christ and as I read at the very beginning of of Revelation there, Sorry, towards the end of Revelation. The bride coming with the lamb. That God is with his people and that his people are with him. We will not fully see God's kingdom here on earth. But when Jesus returns in glory and praise, we will all get to see the whole of God's kingdom then. What about the king? Well, verse 37, Jesus says this. Pilate said to him, so you are a king? Jesus answered, yes, you say that I am a king and for this purpose I was born and for this purpose I came into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is off the truth listens to my voice. The king of a man says, what is truth? Jesus says, I am the truth and the way, and the life. Jesus says, I didn't claim to tell a truth. I came to testify to the truth. Jesus is making the claim that the truth is his and what he declares. That was his message throughout his time. The time has come. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. You see, being part of God's kingdom is recognising that Jesus is that truth, is recognising that Jesus is king. It is recognising that, yes, the world is broken. But it's broken because of man. It's because we've rejected him as the truth in the first place. 
the kingdom of man recognises you know there's something that must be done and perhaps through your own effort, through what you do, through what money you spend, what popularity you gain, what friends you build up on online will fix that problem. But the only answer to those questions of what we need is actually Jesus in the first place. The call to follow him, the call to put him first in our lives. Being part of God's kingdom is not only knowing that truth, but also telling people that truth. And declaring that truth even into the kingdom of man who rejects it. But it's also a reminder to us that there will be a day when God's kingdom is seen by all. When we read there from Daniel chapter 7 and that wonderful image of God as the Ancient of Days coming with all the the books opening and the one who comes as the Son of Man and all glory and praise is, is given, that is a reflection, of course, of what will happen at the end. When this world is concluded and there's no more kingdom of men, challenge to remind ourselves this morning is that there is a clash of kingdoms. The kingdom of man, as we've noted, says that you can believe any truth you like. The kingdom of God declares there is only one truth and that's Jesus. The kingdom of man says you can live and live as you like and live as you please and live by whatever you do. The kingdom of God says no, we are called to repent and believe in Jesus and to proclaim him to the world. Friends, the question we've got to ask ourselves this morning is this. Which kingdom do we actually belong to? Which kingdom are we actually part of? And the best way to answer that in terms of ourselves is to ask this Who is most important in my life? Is it me? Or is it Jesus Christ? Because that is the difference between the kingdom of man and the kingdom of God. And while that clash continues today, there will be a day when that clash will be over. And it will be the kingdom of God which is victorious. And so which kingdom... Do you belong to? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we reflect upon your word, as we see Jesus in this passage stand trial, but we know what would be the outcome. That yes, he would suffer death, but it would be for our sin. We know, Heavenly Father, though he did not stay dead, that he rose from the dead because he perfectly obeyed you and that he showed himself to be fully man and fully God. Now we know that our king rules, that one day Jesus' king will come before all 
And on that day, everyone will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Heavenly Father, help us to reflect on our own hearts. To ask ourselves, who truly is king of our lives? Is it us or is it Jesus? Whose kingdom do we actually belong to? The kingdom of man, which focuses on ourselves? Or the kingdom of God, which is focused purely upon Christ and the gospel? Heavenly Father, help us in part of your kingdom to continue to proclaim the truth of that kingdom which is the one and only truth. And may we do so until the day we are called to be together with all of your kingdom. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.